Well, I have a great show for you tonight. Uh, Martha Densmore is uh, with us. She's a listener, just like all of you, and she submitted a great story idea about Mary Baker Eddy, an important feminist leader from the 1800s. Apparently, uh, Mary Baker Eddy uh, pioneered Christian science and was alarmed and bewildered by the idea of a male-only God. Go figure, I had no idea who she was or anything at all about or or that she uh, was maybe one of us. I was surprised to hear all this, so Martha is going to fill us in on Mary Baker Eddy in just a few minutes. But first, I have to tell you about uh, the wonderful coffee table book that arrived in the mail from Joe Carson. You know, you might have heard Joe's commercial here uh, where I share with you about the book Celebrate Wildness, but uh, I have to tell you my personal take on the book. It is really impressive. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. It was just uh, enthralling as I turned from page to page to page uh, with all the art of Fred Adams, the foreword by Poke Runyon, who is a master ritualist. One day I'll have to tell you all about this incredible ritual I attended that he put together where there was absolutely not one spoken word. It was incredible. But Fred and Poke were pretty tight, and they all did this farifarious stuff together, I think. But anyway, Celebrate Wildness, this is an exceptional book, and I hope you'll think about it when you're adding to your library or your coffee table because let me tell you, it's a great conversation starter. I can just see any one of us uh, sitting there on the sofa with the book on the coffee table and picking it up and thumbing through the pages, and it would make for a night of interesting conversation. Uh, and it's no wonder that Steve Posh, the author of uh, Radio Paganistan, uh, called it scintillating, rapturous, filled with erotically charged ritual and an overall vision of human culture utterly defined by wild wilderness Eros and Goddess. So, you know, if I teach your curiosity, and I hope I have because this is a good book, uh, check it out by going to farafaria.org, and uh, that's spelled F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A. And again, the title is Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Farafaria Path, edited by Joe Carson, who's a longtime friend and supporter of the show. Also, uh, another thanks goes out to Celia for use of her music. Tonight's cut was called uh, Connected. And thanks to Pat. I hope you're listening, Pat. And uh, uh, I won't say for what, but I think you know. And you know what? Just a heads up, uh, next week's show will be on Tuesday rather than Wednesday because of the Thanksgiving holiday. In fact, uh, we won't have a show the first Wednesday in December because I'm taking a little holiday break. But next week, uh, on Tuesday, I will have Phyllis Karat and Angie Buchanan with me. Uh, Those are just uh, two of my guests. Um, And uh, we're going to be talking about the Council for the Parliament of World Religions because both of those two ladies, well, they are movers and shakers in the pagan community and very influential over at the Council uh, for the Parliament of World Religions. Um, And they're going to give us some very interesting behind-the-scenes info on the Parliament and especially the women's session that uh, Phyllis organized on the Thursday before the Parliament officially, uh, you know, kicked off uh, 
Um, anyway, you'll you, you'll want to hear about all of that because uh, the feedback I've been getting from folks out there is um, all of us pagans have been talking about the Parliament so much that a lot of you maybe want to attend next time. So, um, you know, tune in and, and hear more about it. Uh, I'm also making a holiday offer to all my listeners in the continental United States. Um, if you make a donation to the show in the amount of at least $15, you will get a signed copy of my book, The Award-Winning Walking an Ancient Path, Rebirthing Goddess on Planet Earth. Uh, just go to my website, karentate.com. When you're there, click on the Goddess Store page. Then go all the way down to the bottom, uh, pass all the free meditations and all the other good stuff. Uh, you'll see a generic PayPal button at the very bottom of the page that allows you to make a donation of any amount. Just uh, take advantage of this offer of uh, $15, which includes shipping as long as you're in the U.S. Uh, maybe you'll want to send some out to friends for holiday gift giving. Maybe you'll want one for yourself. I don't know. Um, and later I'll tell you uh, about a few more specials for the holidays um, that you won't find on my webpage. It's something very special I put together, uh, trying to raise a little bit of money to help pay for the show. Uh, so please consider uh, consider supporting someone in the goddess community, even if it's not myself, uh, with your holiday purchases. And you know what, too? If you've decided against consumerism this holiday, I applaud that as well. Whatever way you want to go, um, it's up to you, and I support you. All right. Well, that about uh, takes care of our opening comments, and um, we're going to get to uh, Martha Densmore now, uh, who brought us this uh, wonderful show, uh, Rebel with a Christ, uh, Mary Baker Eddy is uh, is what it's called. And um, Martha, though, let me tell you a little bit about her. Uh, Martha is a healer and a writer. Uh, she's worked in the field of natural medicine for 25 years. She's an RN, an herbalist, and acupuncturist. Her mission is to empower healers through the spirituality of integrative medicine. And she lives with her husband and dogs in Santa Barbara. Sounds like me. I live with my husbands and cats in Venice Beach. Anyway, her um, her uh, website uh, is acubody.com, A-C-U, kind of like acupuncture, acubody.com. So, uh, Martha, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Karen, and um, what an honor to be on your show. I've uh, been a fan of yours for years, so thank you. Oh, Terrific. you're so nice. Thank you for saying that. Um, you know, it it, uh, it makes me feel good, though, I have to tell you, because, you know, just knowing that uh, the effort is worthwhile and people continue to listen and, uh, you know, it makes a difference. And I'm so glad that you reached out to me, too, with the show idea. I mean, many listeners might not realize that's how some of the shows get to be, uh, here on you know here on the uh, you know here on the radio network. So don't be shy about sending me a Facebook message or an email message and say you know hi have you heard about this person or that person or maybe it's even yourself you know that's okay too. Um, and if it's something interesting you know more than likely you'll get on the show. So um, thank you for bringing uh, Mary Baker Eddy uh, to us because you know I had uh, I mean her name was familiar but. I can't even recall why. Um, and then when you started telling me about her, she really piqued my curiosity. So why don't um, why don't you tell me how you stumbled onto her, Martha? Okay. Well, well, certainly a couple things just to to uh, how you may have heard of her. I think we've all heard of the Christian Science Monitor, which Mary Baker Eddy founded 
at the age of 88, talk about late bloomers, and that's why she's one of my heroines, um, Christian Science Monitors won uh, over five Pulitzer Prizes, and that's just something that she created late in her life. But uh, the reason why this show got started is because I've been studying her for the last year, and I'll tell you how I ran into her, but I'm so astonished at um, the magnitude and the the power that this woman uh, created for herself um, in the late 1800s and the turn of the century hundreds that um it just shocks me that I'd never heard of her until I was in, you know, into my 50s, let's just say. And well, so you know, that's I so, thought, you know, so typical. It's so typical, Martha. So many of the women are unsung heroes, you know. I mean, they just don't get the press that the men get. Um, you know, even authors. Well, I mean, so many of the women authors ended up having to write under a man's name. So um, anyway, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's but, okay. Um, yeah. Um, well, uh, we'll we'll just uh, wing it here. She was definitely getting the press in her day. Uh, uh, you know, I, I found out about her briefly just because I happened upon uh, one of her books. Not not her main book, which is called Science and Health. But I was in a thrift store and bumped into actually um, kind of an expensive book for me to buy, and I almost didn't buy it. But it was a first edition uh, to her miscellaneous writings. Uh, concordance, actually, and I didn't know anything what it was about, but I just started looking through a con- you know concordance is like a dictionary, and I realized that there were terms relating to mental and thought and healing and this and that, and I, I ended up just getting it and putting it in a drawer for a couple months, uh, and then pulled it out when it was time to start, uh, you know, just seeing what this was about. And when I found out what it was about, I was absolutely astonished. And um, let me backtrack a little bit. You mentioned Merlin Stone. Was her book uh, When God Was a Woman? Uh-huh, yeah. Was that, and that's, yeah, okay. So, you know, um, perhaps like many of your listeners, you know, I've all, always been drawn to, you know, growing up with a, a family Bible in the home and uh, being drawn to understand that it's a spirituality that's um, not easily understood, but there's, you know, we know there's something there. And so I, um, along the path, was exploring all kinds of spirituality for decades, um, reading that book, reading um, Margaret Starbird's book on Mary Magdalene and the Mary Jesus and the Lost Years of Jesus and all these things which, um, in a large extent, were looking back or looking way back to, like, the fertility goddess and all of that. But when I found out about Mary Baker Eddy, I found out that at the turn of let's just say the century, in you know, 1875, with the publication of her book, she introduced to New England first, and then it became huge, the idea of God as a mother-father. And um, it, it, it was involved with healing, and, uh, you know, there's a whole story behind it. But, I mean, one of the most significant things that she, she did in her life was to create the first American... Christian religion by a, a denom- an actual Christian denomination founded by a woman, but beyond that, that that delineates God as both father and mother, and she goes. She went back to the Bible. She spent three years to do it um, in her I guess her late forties to try. She was a homeopath. She was very involved with the healing. She was sick as a, a child and. 
Um, one, of the, one of the really interesting things about her in her in her day, you know, women weren't educated then. I mean, this was way before women's rights, like the you know 1840s, 1850s, and she was from a very strict upbringing. And uh, her dad, you know, they didn't believe in girls being educated probably beyond basic reading. But she had an older brother who went to Dartmouth, and she was sick. She was out of school a lot, but he brought home the classics, and he educated her. Uh, shared books with her and tutored her, um, and she was brilliant. I mean, she was just, you know, known to be brilliant and, and, and a little bit of an eccentric, but he brought books home like John Locke, Voltaire, David Hume, Francis Bacon. He tutored her in Greek, Hebrew, Latin. So if we could just understand if kids today and women, you know, young girls had this kind of education, which, of course, they're not getting, um, what that produces. Right, and what that right. produced in Mary was a profound intellect and a various uh, ability to think through her experiences, which came to be directed upon experiences at the hands of doctors who were, um, you know, very is paternalistic the right word? I mean, authoritarian. The whole the whole medical field was in a very interesting time then, and um, she wasn't satisfied with it. I mean, she had all kinds of ailments, like many women did in her day. Um, spinal trouble, chronic indigestion, and it, this went into her young womanhood. She had a lot of um, challenges, desperation, poverty, um, all kinds of things happened to her. But the bottom line is, she 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 ended up uh, learning about mesmerism and hypnotism at one point in her healing journey. And began to study with a doctor who um, named Phineas Quimby in Portland, Maine, who was a, a mesmerist healer. And so she learned about the power of thought. And she was also a homeopath. And she came to understand that homeopathic remedies were um, ultimately successful by way of mental energy and the thought field. Hmm. So, um, so. So this this went on, and uh, you know, long story short, she took it back to uh, integrating this with her Bible, and then pulling out of the Bible after three years of vigorously trying to understand the idea of a God force healing, she comes up with just a profound theology that is completely yin yang compatible, feminist spirituality. Um, and and it's worth a look, everybody. So um, well, I've me, got I do have a separate um, website now that I've dedicated just this kind of personal journey I'm going through because I, once in a while I just have to you know write it down. And so I've got some books up there for people to look look through. And and she preserved her writings. Um, part you know she started a publication house. The bottom line is she became a, a teacher. She developed a healing practice through her um, her science. She, she she developed what she called a science, and it was it wasn't 100% original to her, but she's the one that um, com- compiled a theology that uh, is just science worthy. And her well, her mission in life was to reinstate first century Christianity as it was practiced in the first century, and to reinstate, and this is viva la difference, the lost art of healing, which Hmm. flew in the face of all the medical establishment then. 
Because so Martha, her idea before, is Jesus wait, said Martha, heal, so Martha, we're going to heal like Jesus. Martha, hmm? Martha, take a breath. Um, I'm I'm trying to get a question in here. Um, let Let's go back to I, I want to go back to a couple of the things that you said. Um, you know, early on when you introduced her, um, and you said that you know she, uh, you know she basically started, uh, you know, an American Christian religion, Christian Science, and right. uh, and it, it incorporated. No, no, she didn't them. start at Christian Science. She grew she grew up in a uh, Calvinist uh, household. It was strictly like the old Christianity, a Congregationalist church. That was okay. her family. Then later on. In her 50s, through her healing, she developed um, the, the uh, Christian Science religion. Well, it no, was well, a rebellion that's, against. That's what. Well, that, yeah. that's. I'm sorry. That's what I. If, if that wasn't what I said, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, okay. But what I'm I'm wondering. Okay, so here it is, the 1800s, and um, I mean, if anybody's watching the Nick on TV, I mean, they have a sense of how primitive uh, medicine was, and this was even before the the Nick, I believe. You know, I mean, doctors knew next to nothing. It was it was pretty barbaric, and I can imagine right. why she she wasn't very happy with doctors. But what I'm wondering. Right. Is there anything in the writings that talk about how difficult it must have been for a woman at that time in the world in the in the middle eighteen hundreds or well maybe you know maybe a little bit later as as she's getting older i mean she started this this new christian religion she's and she's talking about a male and a female god i mean there there was there any pushback i mean is there any discussion about uh, about that from established religion or just this whole idea of a feminine face of God way back then? Um, as she grew in popularity, she mostly became, she started to become popular because she she started um, teaching students the healing method, okay, which involved the, the theology. And then as that grew and grew and women became empowered as healers and they could earn a living and it's also the idea that it's it's a completely um, spiritual reality that she talks about. So the idea that women are not defined by their biology, um, and it's like energy medicine, so to speak. As 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 it, and as she became as she herself began became, began healing cases, extraordinary cases. They were hopeless cases. This is what happened in acupuncture too. Some of these some of these different offshoot healers end up um, becoming uh, established because you start off with the cases that nobody else wants. And so um, one of her books, there's there's a few books that are about specifically her own healing, and then she taught the healing method. So anyway, the bottom line is the churches were created later, but it started as a um, a movement of healers. Okay, and, okay. And, yeah, and then, but the pushback came when she founded the, when she founded the church, and she had thousands and thousands of followers. Um, then it became like a political force, and and it, she was a feminist, not in the sense of like a Susan B. Anthony, but she was a feminist in the by being a role model because she became like a CEO of her organization. In a mm-hmm. sense, she was at the helm of a, a hugely powerful organization, which by the end of her life she had a giant mother church, she had four publications, she had a newspaper, and she had hundreds of branch churches, and it was going into Europe and all over the place. That's incredibly impressive. So she she was attacked. 
she was attacked by Mark Twain. She was attacked by newspapers. They were ridiculing her. So, yeah, she. it's in her biographies, and it's a little bit in her writings. But now, all right, so let's talk a little bit about Christian science, just in case, you know, some of our listeners don't really know much about Christian science. And I'll admit, I don't know that much about Christian science. And I think what I do know is probably negative. I mean, um, you always hear, I think, unless I'm confusing it with somebody else, with some other uh, religion or spirituality, isn't it Christian science that it's they're always the ones that pop up in the news when they they pray for their healing, they don't want to take, they don't don't want to go to medical doctors, and sometimes you'll find uh, minors, um, I don't know, some authority is uh, uh, appealing to a judge because parents of a child won't get them what they consider, you know, adequate medical care. Isn't that usually when we hear about the Christian science people? Uh, is that That's Christian usually science? all you ever hear about them. That's, what, yes. that's true. So yeah. you have to look okay. at the source of that information. Is that is that coming from a news source that has pharmaceutical drugs on every other ad? Uh, well, no, I, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just trying right. to make sure I know yes. uh, who the Christian That's Science right. folks are. Because you know, we have a right. we have a friend. We have a friend in our wisdom circles who was healed uh, using Christian Science methods because Christian Science is in uh, her family. So I'm very mm-hmm. interested in it, and uh, I I find it um, uh, provocative and 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 uh, just intriguing. Uh, because right. I, you know, I wonder what is the Christian Science method. I mean, I, I, kn- I know you've been studying Mary, uh, you know, Baker Eddy, but is it possible to give us a little bit information about what is this practice they do that yes. so many I've of them heal Christian themselves? Science as much as her. Yes, but do let me backtrack, and, and and it is very important to cover what you brought up. Um, there's a lot of misinformation about Christian Science, okay, and a lot of it is for two different reasons. Because she came up with the, she coined the term. It wasn't always called um, Christian Science. It was once called, you know, she calls it by different names, Divine Science, and this and that. Um, but the problem is that uh, other um, organizations use the word science, so that muddies the water. And so um, the Christian Science has a huge problem with being confused with Scientology. Uh, is uh, thought to be a cult so that in in a big way i mean there are parents a friend of mine was saying that at a school she knows they had to go give a talk to the school or to somebody there because the parents were saying you know don't go by don't even walk by the christian science reading room because it's dangerous you know and um that's just you know they think it's scientology so that's one thing i'm going to tell you a few things i've heard myself we were at dinner with a couple and the wife said that a relative of hers um, refused to go to a funeral because she was a Christian scientist. And I double, you know, I'm double, I'm fact checking, and and my friend, who, you know, people that I know, good sources, said no, uh, that's just a personality thing. And um, another friend, just recently, a couple of days ago, a friend was telling me that someone she knew and she heard was a Christian scientist. Uh, became estranged from her own mother because the mother chose chemotherapy and she was a Christian scientist. So listen, here's the deal with Christian science. If anything is going on that's not loving, then it's not Christian science. And it's just like anything, like 12-step spirituality and probably paganism or anything else. You've got, you know, you've got like a, a pure spiritual 
platform, but but when you're dealing with people's personalities, um, you've got all kinds of imperfections, and that's what right. causes confusion. Yeah, people people bring bring their own baggage to it, and and you know muddy up the waters. Um, you know, I can, yeah. I can, I can certainly understand that. Um, um, so okay, so uh, you know, so. So you know, fair enough. Um, so let's so talk a little bit about what the uh, well. And well, but wait, one more thing. I, when you said science, um, you know, I think some people might say that there's some sort of a cognitive, uh, you know, the, a disconnect uh, when you when you kind of mix religion and science. You know, uh, right. because you know you're talking about um, you know the unseen world and all of this sort of stuff that you can't prove uh, and science. I want wonder um was was that ever part of her uh thought process i mean i wonder why she was was she calling this a, because she's doing religion but she's also doing healing which you could say is science so is that sort of how uh the science got mixed up with the religion she came she claimed the science because back in the day when she founded it by the way science was more of an open book. People were trying to understand things, like electricity or, you know, the phone was actually, I think uh, Alexander Graham Bell uh, invented the phone the same year she published Science and Health. And back in those days, um, science was much more open-minded, and so um, she was like a scientific explorer. Okay, that being said, the idea in Christian science, why is it science, is because and um, this is very important, and it's not always um, followed through on, but the idea is to demonstrate through the, the proofs of the healer, the healings, that the proofs are in the healings, and that proves the scientific method. I see. That, I so when, see. when okay. you're looking at other things, like, for instance, later on you talk about the Parliament of Religions. Well, the first one was um, a very interesting, very interesting affair. That's... At first, they, apparently they sent out like 10,000 invitations and did not send one to her organization. And She may have been a little bit smaller in those days, but not really. But um, she had a church, a very big, uh, one of her um, students had a huge church, a couple of churches in New York City, did some advocating and got Christian science uh, represented at the, par- the World Parliament of Religions, the first one. I think it was 1893, I might be wrong. And that one had like 25 million people coming through. So that was a real breakthrough for her. But also, um, so it exposed um, the different religious leaders there to um, some of her teachings. She didn't show up, but uh, one of her um, representatives read um, something that she had prepared. And they heard the word science mixed with religion at the the First World Parliament of Religion. So then later on, you start seeing the word science popping up all over the place in relation to healing, spirituality. Um, I'm looking right now at one of my favorite old books by Paramahansa Yogananda called The Scientific Healing Affirmations. So the the difference with Christian science is that it um, has perpetuated and maintained uh, as her healings with um, the strong uh, call to prove the the method and the works continu- continued in healings. And that's why there are actually a whole um, organization of practitioners 
Um, whereas with yoga, like even Paramahansa Yogananda, I mean, I know they're established religion and everything, but it's not emphasized so much that you're really um, a healing profession. Mm-hmm. So with with Christian Science, it really is a scientific healing profession. It just happens to be a spiritual based healing method. And we call it spirituality, but when you when you look at homeopathy, I mean, you know, if you know anything about homeopathy, you're talking about dilutions that are um, to the point where um, the thing being diluted is no longer in the solution. So it becomes what we call energy medicine. And the same with acupuncture. I mean, acupuncture doesn't correspond to anything in Western medicine, not really. I mean, they're trying to mash it all up now, but truly acupuncture, the meridians um, don't correspond with phys- Western physiology. But, you know, it's its own paradigm of science. So what I like to do is find the common ground in these things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I I guess I'm still wondering, what is it like to be? I mean, do you? Well, what are what are their people called? Um, uh, uh, You know, or do they call themselves Christians? um, Or they? um, How do we refer to the followers? What what are they? What are the followers of Christian Science called? Scientists. They call themselves scientists. Interestingly enough, you know, I mean, it was a little weird to me to, 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 you know, okay. And, okay. and they, they, what they practice is, is science with a capital S. So I mean, and then the like people, the... not everybody's into healing others, but the healers are called practitioners. Not everybody does that, but you know, some do. So is a, so the scientists are they like your typical? I mean, I'm a Catholic, so I'm going to make reference to that. I mean, do they like go to church on Sunday and you know they have the sacraments and all of that sort of stuff like uh, like Catholics do, or is it or is this brand of Christianity like totally different than than all of that? It's it's fascinating. Um, a lot of it is not organized. I mean. And she herself actually dissolved her church at least twice. Um, she wasn't a big fan of organized religion, but uh, you know some of her followers, and for various reasons, they organized the church, and that's a good thing because a lot of what they do is then protected, hopefully under the constitutional right for free expression of religion. Um, there are beautiful churches all over our country. I've got a gorgeous church here in Santa Barbara that I go down to services. They've got services on Sunday morning. And Wednesday night, it's uh, it's fascinating, but it is different. Um, Mary Baker Eddy did away with pastors, clergy, priests. That's all gone in Christian science. So um, you can think of the good and the bad of that. Um, it's not about personality. I know with my own experience with earlier Christianity, you know, you might really like one pastor, and then, you know, somebody else comes up and... Uh, Different things go on, politicalized and stuff. So she um, organized it so that I'm checking my watch here. And so when you go to if you if you go to church and not everybody does because you can study science is just something it's a spirituality that you practice in your everyday life. But the services are are conducted by readers and they read um, portions of the Bible and then they read the Christian Science interpretation and that's really what her work was about. It was about a an updated revelation, if you will, of the scripture that makes it, um, and by the way, she started the first meta, metaphysical college too. It's very metaphysical, but it, it makes the Bible um, palatable, workable, and uh, um, something that any 
that I think fits with um, just about any good uh, spirituality. So, so is uh, is Jesus part of it, or I mean, does he enter into the equation, or he he does as um, the way shower, not the not not your savior or my savior per se, but a savior in the sense that he demonstrated the science of of false belief. He he, dem- he and he he represented, or let's just say, and this is not probably new to your ears. He he manifested the perfection of the Christ, uh, the Christ, if you would say, which is another word for truth. Right. One thing right, that Mary right. Baker does have in her that's easy to get to in her major works is she has got a glossary. So if you go and look up Jesus or, or Christ, it, it kind of separates it out. So the, the thing that Jesus did that's interesting, I mean, that I noticed really stands out in her work, is he, demonst- he demonstrated that death is a belief system. And that's really radical. Sickness yeah. and death are, um, it, it's, it's like quantum in a, in a sense. It, it, it can find its space again now because it's explained through quantum. But that's what he did with his death. The man died, uh, but the spirit, um, you know, uh, the spirit um, transcended the matter. The matter returned to the dust, but that wasn't who the man is. And that's part of the message of Christian Science: is that we are not the biological, uh, the biological um, confirmations that it, it seems that we are to our physical senses. And it's about it's about developing the spiritual sense of the true reality that we are all perfect children ideas of God, goddess, if you will, father, mother. Right. So, if you just stand uh, to replace that word goddess with mother, it's done. So, all right, so let's talk about mother or goddess within Christian science. Um, is she sort of like this, um, you know, does she have a name, or is she yes. just sort of an energetic? Or uh, She has a name, and it's love. Okay. Okay. Um, she has a name and she has functions. I was going to read it to you, but uh, you said uh, stay away from that. But it's well, no, no, go it's, ahead. It's I mean, love. It's, the masculine energy is is life. It's basically God as a Trinity. Uh, I, as I, now, this could be slightly my interpretation, and this is because I'm new. But it's definitely a Trinity of three, which is life, love, and truth. And how I see it at this very early point is life is the masculine inner aspect. Love is the feminine aspect, and truth is the is the expression, the, which is an individual idea. And we are all individual ideas of God, God, okay. God, if you will. So, so when somebody goes for a Christian Science healing, do you have any idea what mm-hmm. that looks like? I mean, have you been to a Christian Science church or anything <laughs> like that since you've been a fan of hers? I actually did go for my first Christian Science uh, healing a, f- a few weeks ago, and that's not—it's not part of the church. Um, you, the practitioners have their practices, just like an acupuncturist or anybody else. And so I did go. I had an issue I was dealing with, and uh, I experienced a Christian Science session, and it was wonderful. Can you describe it? I mean, is it like getting a Reiki session, or do people just pray over you? I mean, what, what is it like? Um, I may, you know, I I only went to one so far, but um, I, it, there may be some differences. 
Um, but the bottom line, what is going on is to attune the person, the patient, if you will, um, back to the reality of being, which is all good and all God. And so pr- prayer in Christian science isn't like your typical, like, get on your knees, pray for pray for things that you want to manifest. And Christian scientists understand that the only reality is all good, which is a, quite a burden off your chest to to embrace that, actually. I mean, it was a wonderful relief to me because I was caught up in a lot of worries about negativity. And uh, if you understand, like, from the Eastern medicine, Eastern spirituality aspect of Maya, you know the word Maya, well, it corresponds to that. And so when you go for a treatment, um, I'll just have to tell you what happened when I went. I ex- expressed, first of all, I expressed my journey to Christian science, and she said, don't, you don't have to worry, don't go into it. She said, we recognize good wherever we find it. I'm like, well, that's nice for a Christian <laughs> deal. That's, mm-hmm. you know, refreshing. And uh, so I expressed to her what was going on, and she pulled out um, some uh, teachings from Mary Baker Eddy for me to read uh, and to take home. And whatever she did um, was uh, essentially holding the thought of the true reality, because I was worried about a family member, very worried. And um, in Christian science, um, this drama that we go on and we think is our reality, where actually it does return to the dust, is um, it's a false reality. It's a lie. And that's going back to your thing about the Eve. The Eve and the Adam story in Genesis is a second counterfeit reality that is the enfoldment of a deception. And that's a lot of what we're caught up in here is deception. And in Christian science, the healing method is truth and holding truth up as the light uh, and as the understanding, and that has a healing uh, force to it. Hmm. Well, you know, the, my friend who I mentioned, um, you know, who uh, grew up Christian science, uh, was telling me about the healing that she had. And, you know, she wasn't real devout, but she had a situation, a medical situation come up where, um, you know, doctors wanted to operate on her and she didn't want to go that route. So she went ahead and mm-hmm. tried Christian science. And it seemed almost, and, and I know I'm probably oversimplifying this, um, and, and I'm not judging it at all, but it almost seemed like, in a way, it was mind over matter, because mm-hmm. I think she said part of what you were supposed to do is um, get, you know, uh, imagine or assert that, um, right. you know, your body is uh, in perfect health like the Creator, you know, that you were perfect, sure. your body is perfect, and somehow that worked. You know, no, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, uh, I, I mean, that's, um, and I, I would imagine it's probably hard not to let doubt creep in, you know, um, but is it really that simple or is, it, you know. From my understanding and my research, I mean, reading about like one of my favorite books, um, it's actually a very rare book, is by Mark Twain's daughter, uh, Clara Clemens, and uh, Mark Twain uh, was a huge satirist um, who um, totally, uh, plagued Mary Baker Eddy, and the bottom line is his daughter became a Christian scientist. And she, her book, Awake to a Perfect Day, is about her own healing journey and going to practitioners or a practitioner. 
And um, uh, historically, or or and this is partly how it works, it it is about an argument, as if a court case, like error, or you know the the reality that's bothering you, your pain or um, your challenge in life, is not considered to be real. And what part of the 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 self healing that you can do, or that is facilitated by a practitioner, is to argue against that claim as if you are in a court. And uh, that's it. <laughs> so, so, me. So, so basically your sickness is in error. You know, it's not real, and at some point hopefully it disappears. That's exact. It returns to the nothingness that it actually is. And again, I want to say in Christian science, though, Mary Baker Eddy is specific in her book that there are times where people need um, the good works of doctors. And mm-hmm. she herself said at one time her back pain was so bad she had to have an injection of morphine, okay? So that really needs to clear the air that mm-hmm. we do um, uh, accept and 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 uh, understand the blessing of the good surgeons and the great works that go on there. But what we don't like is, and this has been going on uh, since the 1800s, is the creation of diseases um, in order to sell cures. Right, that's what she, right. That's what she stood up against. Um, she yeah. really cut an axe into that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So let's. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I wanted to try to explore Christian Science a bit, uh, but I also want to know more about her. Um, so, what was her life like? I mean, was she married? Did she have children? Or was she, you know, totally dedicated to being in service to? you know, Christian science in the church, or what was, what was uh, her life, her life like? Her life is, is, you know, is an inspiration to me. I mean, uh, unbelievable. Um, she grew up, you know, on a farm, sickly. Uh, she ends up, she's the youngest of six. She marries um, the first time when she's, like, in her early 20s, uh, goes down, to, travels down to, I think it's North or South uh, Carolina on the coast. Her husband dies uh, when she's pregnant, with her first child, she's got to schlep back to live with her parents. Um, she's not a well person. She's frail. I mean, she's beautiful, but you know, she's just one of those Victorian era women, if that's correct, who was um, delicate. So she gives birth to her child. She's too ill to nurse the child. Long story short, um, she ends up losing custody of her only son um, because her mother dies. Her bro- her her kind brother dies. And uh, her dad remarries, which was common in those days. And everybody, she she didn't have a means to support herself. She was always a, a writer, but she would like publish little poems and things like that. But uh, she was the the person, sort of like the burden on the family. Once she became a widow with a child, in those days, you know, and no means to support herself. So so she ends up um, living with her sister, um, going kind of from place to place. She marries again, a second marriage, um, to a dentist, and this is where she becomes exposed more to different healing methods. But he's like a womanizer. He leaves her broke. He moves from town to town with his practice. He abandons her. He rejects her son. So the son ends up moving off to, like, Missouri. So she totally loses custody of her son, and so she divorces her second husband in those days. Imagine the scandal of that. Then um, then she discovers um, Phineas Quimby and becomes a healer 
and through her Bible, is it's revealed to her. Um, and by the way, she's around a lot of spiritualists and occult things and stuff like that. I mean, they don't like to talk about that, but this is somebody who was just um, gifted spiritually and exposed to a lot. So uh, she wrote her book, and then once she be- started to teach uh, students, one of her early students became her third husband, and then he they became par- business partners. Uh, she developed her metaphysical college, and that was very successful, um, started to teach healers, and then he died uh, after about, I think, six years of marriage, some, some years of marriage. He died, you know, and left her uh, very much alone, and, and then she never married again. So three marriages, three marriages, and then and then she just went on it alone, probably from her 60s on. To, and she lived to be almost 89 or 90, which is wow. very, you know, long for that day. It, well, and especially considering how she started out, you know, weak and sickly, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe maybe mm-hmm. that's a testament, uh, a testament in itself to uh, what what you know her beliefs and her practices. Um, well, I'm thinking. All right, so her her college of of metaphysics would would it? I mean, can do you know what that was? I mean, what sort of things they taught? Would it be like the <laughs> like uh, the New Age community kind of stuff we do today, or is it uh, was it something else you know it it sure does uh pique my curiosity too karen you know i'd love to go back in time and and attend that college uh we know a lot about it because um some of her students recorded you know various um experiences and writings so you you can find out about it but you know her her major work she published in 1875, which was Science and Health, and then she revised it many, many times, like over 200 times. But um, in the third revision, I believe, um, she came up with keys to the scriptures. And so the college really was about um, mind over matter, you know, like new thought medicine. It, it, it taught uh, her teachings about the scripture and healing. I mean, the people coming out of her college became uh, healers that used the methods of, of of mental healing. But the difference between her healing and other people that were doing similar things around the time is that, and even now, as there's a lot of offshoots of this, is that her what she was tuning into was described as the spirit, the one spirit, the father, mother. God, truth, a biblical healing, whereas we, you know, we commonly think of mind over matter or just like positive, like other people wrote books like The Power of Positive Thinking, you know, mm-hmm. which is a little bit more mundane on the mundane plane where materialism mm-hmm. is recognized, you know, um, her teachings were different. They were purely spiritual. So uh, I'm wondering. Uh, I know there's uh, there's something called the science of mind. That's another church. Um, is mm-hmm. is that anything at all like this? Any any way uh, remotely related or? There's it, it, it is remotely re- related. All these all these um, groups that use the word science and mind together. First of all, you have to go back and look when they were founded. Mm-hmm. And they were likely founded after Mary Baker, uh, you know, was very um, much uh, established as the first teacher in this area. And uh, she had some gifted students, um, some who remained loyal to her, others who went off and started their own factions. 
And one of her gifted students um, who went off and started her own um, church and religion was Emma Hopkins. And Emma Hopkins uh, was a teacher to another man who's actually very interesting to watch on YouTube. I like I don't it's, his book doesn't impress me because they, 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 I don't want to say plagiarized, but they borrowed a lot of ideas from Eddie's works, and that's just not interesting to me. But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Ernest Holmes uh, in the 1920s started the Church of Religious Science, and it's so it's a lot about you know the science of mind, but the, but it's it's removed from Christianity quite a bit. Although they will they sort of tap into Christ, but it's not it's not whole cloth if you can understand, and they they. They bring it down to the level of just my mind over your mind, which brings it back to the realm or the field of mesmeric or animal magnetism, uh, the earth plane, where what we're trying to do <laughs> is ascend off the earth plane and out of matter completely. And we can do and, that because we're coming into the quantum age now. And 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 it sounds like it's more about a connection with deity or the cosmic realm as opposed to just my will over your will kind of a thing right that's right that's the key that's the key to calling it the religion is is deity and how is deity expressed you know i uh, maybe i ought to that but uh, um so uh, all right. So, well, well. Also, too, I want to I want to see if I'm connecting the dots here. You said that you know when she did sort of tie religion in, she was going back to the earliest days of Christianity, and those earliest days, you know, uh, I think I don't know, maybe you called it first century Christianity or something. I think. I that's mean, it. that was I. That's when I think women were leaders and women were leading churches out of their houses. I think. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so so then she um so likewise here she is in the 1800s and she sees those women leaders you know leaders of the church and she in a way is sort of creating the same thing because she is empowering these women of her day uh to be more than what you know patriarchy or society exactly. would have allowed she was sending a, a, them off to found churches in all these different cities and states and to lead up the churches and by the way and I've, my other blog that really pertains to this, by the way, is, is wholewife.com, just wholewife.com. And I wrote a blog today because uh, it's really interesting because they did have an archaeological find in the 1880s that was published into a book, and it, 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 was, um, it was some fragments of the Gospel of Thomas and the sayings of Jesus. And she was really excited about that, <laughs> Going, you know, because it was considered a first-century, you know, relic. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm and what interests me, I mean, where I kind of go off on in my journey these days is is com- is uh, comparing her teachings to the Nag Hammadi. I mean, in 1945, now the same uh, year we blasted the atomic bomb, out pops the Nag Hammadi, and Christian Science, in my view, is 100 percent. I wouldn't say 100 percent, but it, it, the keys and the way she explains Scripture informs the Nag Hammadi, the, the Gnostic texts, a married Jesus, it all works. And that's the difference of this Christianity. And I think one thing, too, I just want to say before we close is one reason why I think we pass over this rebel with a Christ is, is that word Christian. And we all think we know what Christian is. And, I mean, I we had the Christian Science Reading Room here in Santa Barbara, and I always thought, that looks like such a cool place. I should just walk into it, you know. But I never did. 
And I mm-hmm. think that it's the, the idea of Christian, the word Christian is a turn-off, we, mm-hmm. you know, we, as it was in her day, too. So my hope is that we can merge the good of our common networks and uh, open up uh, the idea that, that, that it's okay that, you know, that Jesus was uh, a leader and uh, Mary was his uh, his counterpart for the feminine. And well, it, yeah. It, it works. Yeah, yeah, and I think today, I mean, I think for feminists, for progressive pagans, I mean, Jesus is kind of just the sacred masculine. You know, we take him out mm-hmm. of the organized religion that is Christianity that, you know, was so oppressive, and, um, and you know, and, and you know, we allow him to exist, uh, you know, and I guess you could say, uh, you know, outside of that um, structure, you know, that organized religion that we, that we demonize. Um, but, you you know, I would love to see a movie about her, and I am amazed that, I mean, maybe there, you know, uh, look, maybe there have been movies about her, maybe feminists have been writing about her, but, you know, until you brought her to me, um, I had no idea uh, about the, I mean, what she accomplished, because, I mean, let's take a few more minutes if you have the time, because, you know, uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the the Christian Science Monitor, because that's still something of hers around today, right? It's huge, yeah. I don't actually read it that much. I mean, I have it online. I'm usually too busy, but um, it's a well-respected newspaper. And um, one of the really interesting things about it is, uh, you know, in the last say decade of her life, um, she was she just grew. You know, she was just grew straight up. I mean, she never lost power, and 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 it. So she was attacked by um, people trying to take her down through the court system and the newspapers, and they were calling her, you know, just a nutcase. They were, you know, it's like the National Enquirer. Okay, mm-hmm. so she was attacked, attacked, attacked in newspapers, ridiculed, and all this, and having to respond. Mark Twain was writing silly things about her. So, so in the last two years of her life, she founded the Christian Science Monitor, but with the, um, what do you call it? The not the intention, but. Uh, um the with with the with the well with the with the expression that this is a newspaper that will only speak to the good i mean it represents current events and all of that but it's a balanced newspaper um so or at least it was in its day it may have been a little bit infiltrated by now but um it's supposed to really you know be a posit- be a, put a positive spin on things so um, i know probably so- of all the things i know the least about that <laughs> So, um, so did um, oh the guy I, I I just totally drew a blank. Uh, uh, Samuel Clemens. Uh, why why was he so after her? Did he think she was a quack? No, you know it's a really fascinating story. And actually, I forget his name. There is a famous actor. Um, if you go on YouTube, that at least a couple years ago he was going to make a movie about. Um, Mary Baker Eddy and uh, Samuel Clemens. No, um, it's it's written about. Uh, the, the bottom line was he was a very famous author, American author in the day, right? And she was a very famous American author in the day. And I think her books sold more than his. And um, you know, uh, her and he was a thinker about religion. Um, he wrote about it. Uh, he was a deep thinker, and I think her ideas bothered him. Um, so, 
and you know he was paid well for it, you know, and um, it's just what he did. He was a satirist. I mean, she wasn't the only um, victim of his, you know, creativity, um, but she was definitely uh, probably his favorite. But the interesting thing is, he did respect her very much, and that is really brought out by his daughter Claire Clemens in her book Awake to a Perfect Day. And in the very, and this is a rare book. You can't hardly find this. <clears throat> On on eBay, <clears throat> a full a long time Christian scientist who was really involved in the organization had never even heard of this book. But right in the beginning, um, Clara talks to the fact that her father was a huge admirer of uh, Mary Baker Eddy, and he and Mark Twain. I just that's just how I think of him. Died um, broke, um, miserable. You know, a couple of his kids had died, or at least one of them. I mean, just really depressed. His wife had died, his beloved wife, and just. He was a miserable person, but Mary Baker Eddy, because her reality and her idea of life was pure positive, um, died wealthy with a major organization, and um, you know she lived to be ninety and, and uh, you know pure pure positivism. There's the power of positive thinking. Isn't that the irony of it? Here he was, you know, a, a needle in her side, and his daughter mm-hmm. becomes uh, a Christian scientist. <laughs> you know, it, exactly. It, I, don't know, it, I mean, there's there's just some uh, karma there or something. Um, well, you know, I have to I have to tell you, Martha, I have a Christian Science reading room like six blocks down from my house, and I've always oh. passed it, and I've thought about going in, and I think I am going to go in now. <laughs> um, but uh, exactly. if some if, if somebody wants but well, because I like this idea. I mean, you can take the Christianity part of it really out of the equation, and or at least I, I think it sounds like. Wait, you wait, can. wait! Let me stop you there. Okay. Just remember that the Christianity that that bothers you so much was Is created in Rome. Right. It was created in Rome. We're going back right. to the first century. So pull out your Nag Hammadi. Pull out your Gospel yeah, of Mary. Yes, yes, you're right. Okay? You're right. You're right. Yes, and, yes, you're and, right. Thank and another you. book that's amazing. It's really good. Is the Lost Gospel by Simcha Jacobovici and Barry Wilson, which is decoding the ancient text that reveals Jesus's marriage to Mary the Magdalene, and okay. and take those first century Christian teachings as to be your Christianity, and welcome it, and just and then the rest that is the deception and the lie and the ugliness, we're past that now. You're right. You're absolutely right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that distinction because that is important. Uh, because I really do like this idea. I mean, it almost reminds me um, of how uh, I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't mean this to sound um, so trivial and, and simple, but you know, I, I don't know about you, but when uh, you know, just doing simple things like having gratitude, having appreciation, you know, being mm-hmm. um, proactive instead of reactive. I mean, there's a lot of simple things we can do in our life that makes us more positive, that helps us have a better day, that helps us make better choices, that keeps us in better health. I mean, you know, it's like a domino effect. And I'm I'm wondering, you know, in any of the teachings, was uh, any of her stuff about gratitude and appreciation or, um, you know, because those are like the buzzwords now, you know. That's yeah, you... it's like, well, it's beyond that. I mean, it, it's, it's almost been watered down. I mean, it's more like glory and uh you know um very just 
more big, bigger gratitude, of course, goodness, yes. But what this what this what what this does, if if it makes sense to you, and it does take a little while of reading of of, of embracing it, is it's very freeing. I mean, when you are freed of fear, you understand that fear is a lie and a deception. Uh, it makes that it empowers you that evil doesn't even exist. I mean, I know that yeah. sounds like that's out there. We're down here. I know we're not quite there yet, but just even the possibility of that is uh, is well freeing. considering what's in the news right now. I mean, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if uh, you know more people knew about that and were able to practice it successfully? You know, then we wouldn't be manipulated and. Um, you know, we do things against our best interests, uh, you know, out of fear and stuff like that. Well, um, you know, uh, you've, you said you wanted to read something, um, uh, you know, when, when we were off air. Um, do you, I mean, we, we, have a few, we have a few minutes. Did you still want to uh, read something so we can hear a little bit of her own words? Okay, if this is it. Third, okay. So she talks about different baptisms. Actually, when I was studying her words, um, the first book that I started to study was actually her miscellaneous writings, and that's just how I am. I like to go off the beaten path. So she's talking about here the baptism of spirit. And this is this is the idea of what met- metaphysics sound like. She's talking about the final immersion of human consciousness in the infinite ocean of love. Remember I told you when you said the, the, the mother or the feminine face of God is love? That's why I picked mm-hmm. it for you. Mm-hmm. It's the last scene in the corporal sense. This omnipotent act drops the curtain on material man and mortality. After this, man's identity or consciousness reflects only spirit good whose visible being is invisible to the physical senses. I hath not seen it in as much as it is a disembodied individual spirit substance and consciousness termed in Christian metaphysics, the ideal man, forever permeated with eternal life, holiness, heaven, forever permeated with eternal life, holiness. The order of science is the chain of ages which maintains their obvious correspondence and unites all periods in the divine design. Mortal man's repentance and absolute abandonment of sin finally dissolves all supposed material life or physical sensation, and the corporal or mortal man disappears forever. Hmm. Now that goes on recording because you might have to listen to that a couple times, but that's the metaphysics. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking. You know, probably when you read her writing, you know, she's probably got this kind of 18th century style, and it might take a few times to let it sink in and wrap your mind around mm-hmm. what she's actually trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. but, well, I just um, pulled that out. I mean, I just opened it yeah. up at random, so um, yeah. it, it's not it's it's not too hard to understand. And actually, yeah. one last thing. Um, back before we had Alcoholics Anonymous, which I think is a, a wonderful um, offshoot, actually, of Christian science, and it, that's, uh, that's a very obscure idea, but um, people would read her book, Science and Health, and heal just from reading the book. And, and it still is understood to be that. So if you, anybody out there knows someone who's just having a hard time, especially with like a, a mental issue or fear or just something really bothering them, if they pick up a Science and Health, either from Amazon or the reading room, 
and just or even the audio book and just read it. Um, that in itself was uh, a healing method. Just reading the book, as if the book itself is a homeopathic remedy. Wow! It was, and the title again is just—it's um, her major work. It's called Science and Health, with okay. Key to the Scriptures. Okay. Okay. Science well, and Health with Key to the Scriptures. Yeah. Well, Martha, this has been fun, and uh, I, I, I'm really uh, interested in her now and uh, will probably take some time to look into her a little bit further. Uh, what do you recommend uh, for me or for listeners who want to know more about her? Um, do you have stuff written on your blog, or is there somewhere else you um, would point people? Or Yes, I, I'm creating stuff on my blog, so again, just go to wholewife.com. And then I have links. I have a link page that I'm creating, and one of the main links there is to her big organization, the church itself. And um, you can actually, I mean, I'm I'm paying for it. You can, like, go, like, join there, whatever it is, and then even get the journals from back in the 1800s and stuff. So wow. that's just my thing. I'm, I'm into vintage and history. So I go back and read some of the real old stuff. And, by the way, they were huge in World War One and World War Two too. I mean, this history is just vast. Now, now so, she. Um, this is before Edgar Casey or any of that stuff, right? I mean, Edgar Casey comes along later, doesn't he? She predates. Yes, she pre, pre. But there's a similarity there. There, uh huh. He goes into okay. a trance that again is on kind of the mesmeric level. But um, yeah, there's crossover there in the metaphysics. Okay. She's, she well, predates um, him. She predates almost everybody you've ever heard of. Okay. Well, is uh, before I let you go, is there anything um, we forgot to talk about uh, that you wanted to say about her, or did we did we do a good job of covering it? Thank you, Karen. I think we did a great job. So, okay. Well, um, this, when I go to her, the church sessions and we sing the hymns, the hymns are all real positive affirmations. You were talking about mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. I find when I go to church services on Sunday, and again, it's just readers. There's no pastor. Um, and usually there's a soloist, I find that to be an amazing attunement and healing. And the the hymnal books are good to take a look at in case you don't really know how to pray or aren't so great with that, which I frankly wasn't. The hymns themselves are healing prayers. And uh, just lots to check out. So go to the reading room, go online, and um, there's lots to learn. I, I would imagine that you could probably get, um, you know, audio CDs or DVDs or something and just have that sort of stuff playing in the background and, uh, I don't know, just, uh, you know, just kind of get a, have a positive vibe at your work or something during the day if you, you know, especially if you're, you know, you're in an office by yourself or something, you know. Uh, I don't know what yeah, I'm I think about. That the hymns are on, um, like the music is. But, uh, I mean, they sell certain kind of things at, at the um, place, but but definitely her writings <clears throat> are more and more becoming on audio, like on Audible, and that's how I listen to some of her writings. Just listening to you know Audible when I've got insomnia. Okay. Well, Martha, thank you. I'm so glad you reached out to me. And, uh, you know, let this let this be, uh, you know, positive inspiration for other listeners out there who, uh, you know, can bring other interesting subjects uh, to me, and then I can in turn bring it, to, uh, you know, to listeners everywhere. Um, it, it's uh, – I'm, I'm just so happy that uh, you told me about uh, Mary Baker Eddy, and now I've gotten a chance to meet you, and you've opened up a whole new realm for me and everybody else. That's right. <laughs> God is a woman. There you okay? go. <laughs> and uh, it, we don't have to go so far far back to find out about it. It's here and now. 
So uh, that's, that's cool. It, huh? That is that is so awesome. Uh, knowing uh, how uh, how incredibly influential and progressive she was so long ago, mm-hmm. and here I thought, mm-hmm. you know, here I thought all women were, uh, well, you know, so many women were, but she was definitely ahead of her time. So thank you, Truly. thank you, Martha. I, I appreciate okay. uh, uh, your teaching us tonight. Okay. God is blessed, Karen. Take it easy. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, as much as I did. Uh, I'm really thrilled to know about uh, about Mary Baker Eddy, and uh, I probably will go in that uh, Christian Science uh, reading room down the road and just sort of check it out. And if somebody looks at me and uh, says something like, "Well, what, you know, how can I help you?" I can actually say, "Well, you got anything on Mary Baker Eddy?" And I bet they'll bring me to a whole room full of stuff. Anyway, um, let's see. Um, what was I going to tell you? I have some new news uh, as we cross the threshold into uh, this uh, second half of the show. And I wanted to tell you that um, uh, you've heard me talk about the Joseph Campbell Roundtables. Well, they are going to continue in 2016. Uh, we just had our last two for the year um, in the beginning of November, but they will pick up again in January. And uh, the new home for the Venice Joseph Campbell Roundtable, if uh, your listeners here in uh, the Los Angeles area, we are going to be going to Beyond Broke, Beyond Baroque uh, in Venice. Uh, We're not going to be at the Venice Library anymore because folks have said, you know what, I can't get there at uh, 11 o'clock on a Saturday. I have too much to do. So uh, we have moved these to Sunday evenings. Um, So we will be at Beyond Baroque uh, starting in January. I think it's the second uh, Sunday of the month. I'll tell you more about it as it gets closer. But I just wanted to make that announcement that uh, we're leaving the library and we're going to Beyond Baroque. And we're going to kick off the Joseph Campbell Roundtable in January with a screening of Femme, Women Healing the World. And uh, Emmanuel ATA of Wonderland Entertainment, the producer of the film, which has won awards all around the world. And some of you may know i uh, still pinching myself that I was lucky enough to be included in it. Um, well, he's going to be there uh, and uh, be able to talk about the film uh, when we screen it. So uh, that's what's going to happen in January at Beyond Baroque for the Venice Joseph Campbell Roundtable. And speaking of uh, Joseph Campbell, uh, the Joseph Campbell Foundation, well, they have been doing a crowdfunding event, and it's roughly two-thirds of the way to their goal, and they have about 12 days to go. And uh, they are looking for magical helpers to appear in the darkest, thickest parts of the forest where there is no path. Uh, Those are the words of Stephen Geringer, who is uh, uh, one of the folks... um, uh, who's instrumental in the in the Joseph Campbell Foundation? Uh, he says they are looking for these magical helpers so that they uh, reach their goal. And uh, if uh, if Joseph Campbell has been an inspiration to you, if the foundation uh, through roundtables or other sorts of events, if uh, that has been a help to you in this life or an enjoyment to you in this life, uh, I hope you will go to um, the Joseph Campbell Foundation crowdsourcing campaign. Um, you can actually go to tinyurl.com backslash jcf 
campaign. I'll say that one more time, tinyurl.com backslash JCF campaign. And um, make a small contribution or some contribution. And, uh, you know, if you do, they are actually, um, you know, sending you gifts. Um, you know, so you definitely get something for, for your uh, care and attention and uh, the funds that you send. Uh, you know, it's, it's so important that we support uh, these organizations that uh, inspire us and uplift us and teach us uh, and keep us on this path of evolution and higher consciousness. Um, you know, those, those are the ones that uh, really are deserving of our uh, of our discretionary income. You know, give up Starbucks one week. Uh, send a little bit of money to the Joseph Campbell uh, Foundation's um, campaign. Um, think about it anyway. Uh, it would be great if you could. And, you know, I guess as long as I'm talking about money, um, and uh, spending your money supporting the goddess community, I'll just make mention that uh, I'm part of the um, Holiday Goddess Gift Guide that uh, you may be seeing around. Uh, I posted a link on my Facebook page today. And uh, we've put together some great offerings um, in case uh, you are feeling like you want to make some purchases for yourself or for loved ones. And as, as I said, you know, try to support the, uh, uh, the goddess community uh, whenever you can. Um, you know, help your own community um, like so many you know, other groups do, you know, that's they kind of keep the money in the family, so to speak. Um, so I've put together a special holiday page, and uh, I have a special offer where you, if you buy Voices of the Sacred Feminine and Goddess Calling, uh, you for $48, you get Walking an Ancient Path for free. Uh, I also have goddess gift cards. Uh, those are photographic goddess gift cards of sacred places around the world, goddess sites, actually. Uh, you can get six of uh, of those uh, photographic gift cards uh, that can, uh, they're multi-purpose, um, and uh, those are $30. I have another special where if you purchase all four of my books, uh, Walking an Ancient Path, Goddess Calling, Sacred Places of Goddess, and Voices of the Sacred Feminine. If you purchase uh, those books for $65, you get a free six-pack of the Goddess gift cards. Uh, I, my husband and I also make Sistrum, or uh, make Sistra, Sistrum plural, uh, is Sistra. Uh, they are the sacred rattles of uh, Bast, Hathor, and Isis, and uh, those are thirty-five dollars. And uh, they are uh, the handle is unfinished, uh, an unfinished wood handle, and uh, the loop and the horizontal bars uh, or or metal, and they're somewhere between 18 and 24 inches. And uh, that's another item I have uh, that uh, that I'm offering for. Uh, you know, uh, for for your consideration uh, in the Holiday Goddess Gift Guide. So uh, you can either email me uh, about that or uh, I can send you information if you request it. Or right now I actually have it on my Facebook page. Uh, you wouldn't have to scroll down too far uh, if you wanted to um, uh, click on the link, which would take you to... Um, 
the page where you could actually see these uh, these offers again. Or, like I said, uh, just email me and uh, I'll send you a link and you can see uh, all of this good stuff. So uh, thank you for your patience with all of that. And um, I think it's, it's about time for us to call it a night. I want to thank you again for your listener loyalty. I take it very ser- seriously, and uh, I am most appreciative of, uh, of, of your time and your interest, and uh, especially when you participate and let me hear from you. And I know you're out there, and... Um, uh, you know, just knowing that you are part of the sacred feminine family. You know, I, I just recently, I um, in the last few months, I've actually gotten two emails uh, from two separate elderly gentlemen. Interestingly, they were both in their 70s, and they wrote me about stumbling onto my website, stumbling onto the radio show, and at this stage of their life, in their 70s, they are finally finding a feminine face of God. And they are so grateful. They are so grateful. They are in gratitude because it has opened up a whole new awareness for them at this stage of their life. And, you know, hearing things like that, um, man, you know, it uh, that really does uh, make a difference. Anyway, um, remember out there, you are the cognitive minority. Uh, We are the ones ahead of the curve, waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. Uh, And in the words of Gandhi, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Or as author Schopenhauer, the philosopher, said, all truth passes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. And third, it is accepted for being self-evident. And, you know, i got to say, after being at the Parliament this year, I think the sacred feminine and acceptance of her, wow, it is really self-evident. We are living in the evolution right now. Have no doubt this is what it looks like. So you just keep doing what you're doing. Be the change. Walk your talk. Uh, find your sacred roar. Usher in good vibrations. Have an elevated conscience. And you know what? That long-awaited paradigm shift, uh, it is happening. It is happening. It is happening in our lifetime. So thank you again, dear listeners. Uh, love you, love you, love you. Have a, uh, you know, have a wonderful, um, well, I'll be with you next week. So I'll tell you have a wonderful Thanksgiving next week. Uh, but as you're planning, uh, making your plans for Thanksgiving, uh, remember to be sure that uh, part of it is gratitude and appreciation. Gratitude and appreciation. Gratitude and appreciation. And I am grateful and appreciate you, my listeners, all around the globe. Thank you and good night and uh, have a great weekend. Stay warm. <laughs>